What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 109, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am thinking about where mama hides the Thin Mints top shelf. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and his Vegas Golden Knights are off to a pretty dang good start in the 2023 postseason. Frank, how you doing? Doing good. like the hockey that I've been seeing lately. Yeah, me too. I mean, this first round has been... Thank you, Tom. Absolutely unbelievable. Thank you, Tom. Have a great podcast today, boys, he says. Uh-huh. Have a great day to everybody. We're so happy to have everybody here. Um, Frank, what a time. What a time. It's a great month for sports overall. I was just saying that. I Like, literally to Katie, like, on the way back here, I was like, the boys are getting ready for a good weekend in every sport, in every sport. It's just like baseball starting to get like going. We're starting to see who's good, who stinks. Basketball's in the middle of the first round. It's been wonderful. Uh, baseball or hockey's getting near the end of the first round. The NFL draft, it starts tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just a great, great time. And you know what, Frank? We're going to start off with a little bit of hawk because that's what we do here on this show about hawk in period number one. You remember Za Factory? Oh, yeah. We went there. And it was better. I remember, than... but why can't I think of like where we, why we go there? When was it? We went there for Sandwich Saturday. Way I back in the, the day. place, but I know I recognize the name. Not, no, not everyone loved it when we went. But I liked it, and I liked it today. So screw what everyone else thought four years ago, or however long ago that was. I don't like that. I don't remember where we were, though. It was... It's like, on, I remember the plays. It's on 31. For those of you in Illinois watching, probably know where 31 is. It's a relatively large street. Oh! In the area. Is that where we got, like, the Jets type of pizza? Yeah. Like, yep. yep. Oh, I know where it is. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I liked oh, it. That's my drink for today. Is, Who didn't uh, like it? I liked it. I don't, I remember everyone crapping on it. I enjoyed it, but I you know I like Detroit style. It reminds me of Sicilian style or grandma style. There's not a lot of pizza I don't like. I don't care if it's square, circular, deep dish, double dough. It doesn't matter to me. That's a fair point. Just pizza is pizza. Is that a blue Powerade? It is a blue Powerade. Oh, we got some people that watch this show that enjoy themselves some blue Powerade. There you go. Frank, you know when we don't like the color blue? When we're watching the series between the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers. Before I get into my stuff, what's your takeaway? Wow. They forced a game five at an even series. Unbelievable. Neither home team has been able to win a game in this series. Which, if that's the case, it benefits the Rangers in the long run. But I think something's got to give eventually here. Um, I mean, I had this series going seven right now. It looks like it's on pace to do so, but I think what the devils need to do for game five is they need to go all out. Like it's a game seven, because if you could win at home, the way you've been playing on the road all year just makes it feel like if they snag this game five, they solidify the series win in game six. I, I still think the Rangers are going to prevail, but if they lose this series or if they lose this game, I got Devils in six. I don't think the Rangers would be able to win it on the road and force a game seven. Schmid's been amazing. Um, I love the way he's been playing. 
once again, something else I feel smart about that I thought he should have been in there earlier. I really do believe that if he starts game two, that they win that game just because of how great he's been this year. I think they got to give the kid a little bit more credit than that. But, boy, we're in for one hell of a finish in this series, if I got to say. Rangers suck. I will say this. I I visit Evolving Hockey quite frequently. It's one of my favorite websites. Evolving Hockey is an advanced statistics page. I'm not an all-advanced statistics guy. If I watch a game and Jack Hughes scores three goals, but the advanced metric says he has a bad game, that's when I discredit advanced statistics. <laughs> but there are times where they're good. They're a good tool. Through the first four games of the postseason, the New Jersey Devils are the number one advanced metric team in the postseason. The New York Rangers are the 16th dead last. That means the Devils, since game two, have made incredible adjustments and have essentially dominated the Rangers. The final scores weren't dominated, and I believe that's because of Igor. Igor has been outstanding. He's the best goalie in the playoffs right now because Vasilevsky stinks. Um, I think in the, in the league, I think Vasilevsky and Igor are one and two regardless, you know, in a normal year. But I don't know. I, the Devils, man, if they can win game five, I see, think they could take this. See, they, the Devils the Devils were so outplayed in the first two games. They they got outscored like it was 10 to, 10 two. to two. They gave up 10 goals and with Schmid in that, he's held them to one goal each game. He's been phenomenal. I love the way he's been playing. I love the way he's been playing too. And there's been rookie goalies in the playoffs. What's up, Skokes? Devil's got a series here. You're absolutely right, pal. You're absolutely right. They can we've seen teams ride rookie goalies. The Canes did it with Cam Ward in 2006. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins did it with Matt Murray twice because he was considered a rookie in two separate playoffs. I mean, it was just it, these things happen. And Schmid has played outstanding. Vitek Vanacek had a great season. The And you know what? I do think it has to do with the way the Devils have played in front of Schmid as well. Sometimes you play better in front of the Rook. You're less inclined to take risks in front of the Rook. Um, one thing I've noticed when the Devils are playing the Rangers in game one and two. So the Devils play like this. Straight ahead. Everything is what is in front of me. Where the Rangers are very much what is to my left and what is to my right. The Rangers play a horizontal hockey game and the Devils play a vertical hockey game. And that was evident all season long. And they're both very good at their own style of play. What the Devils were able to do in game three and four was shut down the horizontal game. They had a defenseman in the spot needed to be to prevent any Kane to Panarin pass, any Panarin to Zabanajad pass, anything that was a horizontal thing. That was something that the Devils were able to stop. And any chances the Rangers did get, Schmid looked outstanding. And in game one and two, the Rangers were able to stop what the Devils are really, really good at, which is using the stretch pass to create on the rush. And in games three and four, the Devils just converted on a couple of their chances where they made these stretch passes, like the breakaway goal by Jack Hughes in the most recent game. Um, I believe it was Siegenthaler who floated the puck through the neutral zone and it landed on the tape of Jack Hughes and he came in on a breakaway and scored. Um, the Siegenthaler goal 
Nico Heischer made a great pass to Spring Siegenthaler, who did not miss his chance, and that served as the game-winning goal before Palat found the empty netter. I mean, it was just a it was a tale of two two types of games: game one and two versus games three and four. And I think right now the momentum's on the Devils' side, and I know this is the thing that really annoys me. If the Devils went up two nothing. And then the Rangers tied the series. Everyone would be like, oh, the Rangers, <laughs> they got the momentum. But because the Devils did it, everyone's like, even though they had the third most points in the league and they were a point away from the second. There's no reason that this team can't win this series. There is just no reason. If they keep playing the way they've been playing, I have all the faith in the world in the Devils. I watched 82 of these damn things. And, well, I guess we're up to 86 now. And I'm telling you what, if they play their game, there are a few teams in the league that can that can hold them down. Now, the Rangers, they have Igor, and Igor masks a lot of problems. But the Rangers have not played well. Uh, up through four games, they have not played well. And the Devils have. The Rangers were a little more opportunistic in game one and two. Terrence mm-hmm. was scoring goals. Kreider was scoring goals. Vanacek was bad in games one and two. And that was the difference. You see what happens when the Devils play their game and find a way to beat Igor. It's going to be a low-scoring rest of the way. If they if they win the series and get to the Islanders or the Hurricanes, I think they could kill them in every game. Because there's no way that they have – I mean, Sorokin is capable of playing like Igor. But I, I think the Devils are – the Rangers are probably a better team in front of Igor than the Islanders are in front of Sorokin for the most part. But I don't know, man. Uh, I think if the Devils get blown out in Game Five, you stick with Schmid the rest of the way. I agree. Vanacek doesn't touch starting goalie for the rest of the series. I agree. I'm with you on you're, that. You're riding and dying with Schmid. Yes, you've already you, played that card. Yeah, you card. you can't you can't keep going back and forth. You, yeah, you no. Play, you ride the hot hand, even if you get blown out six to one. You, you, Schmid starts Game Six on the road. Hundred percent. Now, if we're talking in Round Two. That's you a different start, story. It's a different story. It's a different mindset. It's a different game. It could be different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm with you, though, because I believe if they lose game five, they can win game six and force game seven. I mm-hmm. believe that. I do believe that. I'm I'm in on this Devils team. It was a little shaky when they were down 0-2. It's hard to win. I mean, think about when you're down 0-2. When you're down 0-2, you have to win four of five to win the series. Well, two out of four down. Two out of four down, and the boys are buzzing. Patrick Eliash is running into the room screaming, I effing love this team. Uh, oh, my God. I, I, um, I'm stunned. They've played so well the last two games, I have no reason to think they can't win game three and four. Yeah. Three and four. Five and six. What a dummy I am. They did win game three and four. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Schmied and Net game Game five. Um, That's tomorrow, right? Yeah, tomorrow. One other thing I wanted to point out. Between game two and three, Brennan Smith and Miles Wood had offensive zone penalties in game two that led to power play goals by Chris Kreider. Scratch both of them. Neither of them have played since. And the penalties, they haven't come down, but they're less, like, costly. Like, I do believe a time and a place makes it easier for a penalty kill. Offensive zone penalties, I feel like they lead to goals more often than defensive zone penalties. Like, there are good penalties to take. And I don't know. I I just – I see it that way. Um, We'll see if the Devils are able to 
kind of climb out what of what was a very hard two nothing hole. Um, but now it's a tied series two to two. Um, Foster says afternoon, everyone. Afternoon to you as well, Foster. Um, we lost Frankie for a second. I don't know where Frankie went. Frankie's back. Frankie's back. I hit something. Oh, I was like, what's going on? <laughs> um, Foster says you look off. Any response? No, not at all. I'm dialed <laughs> in. Dialed in. So, Frank, that's Devil's Rangers. I don't know. Did you catch what I said about Wood and Smith being out and penalties and all that? Uh, yeah, but I didn't catch the tail end of it. I just said those guys haven't played. They're probably not going to again in this series. Um, you got to stick with the winning lineup, two wins without Miles Wood and Brennan mm-hmm. Smith taking offensive zone penalties. I've liked the game Jesper Boquist has played. I liked seeing Andre Palak get a goal, even though it was an empty netter. That could be huge for someone. Um, everyone's played well, and hopefully that continues into game five. Devils Rangers tied two to two. Now we will move on to the team that the winner of this series will play and beat. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I don't no know who shot, I, I, I don't know who I would pick. I don't know who I would pick. Oh, don't, oh I don't know. Give me no shot. We'll we'll get to a series that takes away your no shot of. Well, well, I don't know what you're talking. What series you're talking? I, you're I'm talking right about the New it. York Islanders and the Carolina yeah, Hurricanes. This is exactly what I predicted. Six games. Six games. The New York Islanders defeated the Carolina Hurricanes on the road yesterday. Um. It's a 3-2 series lead for the Carolina Hurricanes. Go ahead. Just what are we worried about? Go off on I the don't Carolina know what, Hurricanes. What are we worried about? This is six games. I want the, the Hurricanes to win. The guy who's high up on the series, the high up on the Hurricanes, picked them in six. This is what I expected. I didn't expect them. I wanted them to win yesterday, but I wasn't expecting it. If I expected six games, they'd have to lose. Listen, Sorokin's been unbelievable this year. It was a big night for him yesterday, too. 34 saves, great game by Sorokin. And he's the reason the Islanders are where they are today, that they're even in the playoffs and that they're able to hang with the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, something else happened yesterday in the Islanders game that I think gives them a little boost as well. And Matthew Barzell got a beautiful goal. Uh, Nikas turned it over to Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat passed it to Matthew Barzell, and it was a two-on-one. And if you're anti-Ranta and you got a two-on-one with Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzell, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know how hard that is to stop? Because if you pass, you got Bo Horvat over there, or you're just going to have Barzell taking the shot. And Brent Burns did a great job of cutting off the pass to Bo Horvat, but Barzell pots one past anti-Ranta. And that's a confidence booster right there because not only does Sorokin have to be great, but this Islanders offense has to be great. And I think that sparks with Matthew Barzell's success on the ice. Now, also something else in the game, some takeaways from the game. The Islanders had 22 block shots. 22 block shots, VP. Carolina only had four. That was a difference maker. They were just, they weren't afraid to get in front of the net. They played like it was a game seven for them, and they have to because their back's against the wall. But at the end of the day, the only advantage to me that the Islanders really had going into the series was their goaltending. And I just don't think that they're going to be able to outweigh and win three in a row against the Hurricanes. Um, they had the worst power play coming into the playoffs of all the playoff teams, they were 30th in the league in power play overall. So they, they really have no advantages, and I just think that's going to hurt them in the long run because we saw Carolina dominate yesterday, and Sorokin was able to steal the game. 
I don't think that's going to happen two more times in a row. That's very tough to do. Their back's against the wall. Foster says life's on the line. They have to play every game like it's a game seven, whereas Carolina, they don't have to play as aggressive. They could take a little less chances. So I think that's going to ultimately hurt the Islanders. And I see the uh, Carolina Hurricanes winning this game in six, just as I predicted. I agree with you. And you brought up the block shots. I actually think there's a very solid explanation for that. That To me, all the block shots, it actually makes the Islanders look bad and not good, in my opinion. And I'll tell you why. Um, the Islanders had 22 shots on goal, and they blocked how many? 22? Uh, no, wait, what? No, the the um, Carolina Hurricanes had 36 shots on goal. Yeah. They had 34 saves. But how many shot blocks? Shot blocks. So you got to add that to the 36. So there were 58 total shot attempts, I think. Well, you're missing what I'm asking you. I meant how many total shot blocks? You were 22. raving about the shot blocks. 22. That the Islanders had. And the Hurricanes had how many? Four? And the Hurricanes had four block shots. Okay. Those 22 block shots plus the 22 taken by the Islanders. That means they had 44 shot attempts that weren't also like there were more shot attempts. There were definitely misses on the net. So the total of around 50 shots attempts, the hurricanes probably blew that out of the water because they had 36 shots on goal in general and their shot attempts were more useful and more effective yeah, that I know makes we, the Islanders look bad, in my opinion, and it's oh, like, wow. I, no, I agree with you. I wasn't saying like that was good for the Islanders. That's like a big red flag. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah, like, well, it, it makes stunning to me. It makes the players look good, like they're giving it their all, but they're being outplayed, and they won, thankfully for them. But oh man, I just the Islanders are capable of winning a game on the road and forcing Game Seven. It wouldn't stun me. It wouldn't stun me at all. Well, the Islanders come home for Game Six. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You come said home. You wouldn't be shocked if they won a game on the road and forced Game Seven. I meant home. Yeah, if they I mean, won a game at home and forced Game Seven, it wouldn't shock me at all. Just the way they're playing is not sustainable. Yeah, I don't think so either. It, uh, I mean, win three in a row. We've seen goalies steal series. It's happened before, but you're down three to two in the series. You think they're going to win them both? I don't. Um, as a Devils fan, rooting for them to win the series and then the, potentially the second series, I'm picking Carolina. I would rather the Devils face Carolina than the Islanders because You'll of the goalie. You'll regret that in five games. No, I won't. Um, when the Devils get swept by the Hurricanes. Just like I told you that the Bruins would rather face Florida than the Islanders or Pittsburgh than the, than the Islanders, this is what I mean. I think this Bruins would Bruins would have beat the Islanders in five the same way. I don't think five. Uh, six. Like, And if it wasn't five, it would be like a hard five. They rolled through Florida. Without Bergeron and Krejci. Oh, my God. And if Pittsburgh, they would have steamrolled them, too. They stunk. Series I'm ain't over. You, series ain't over. But uh, Bergeron's coming back. You, you, picking, you picking Florida tonight? I mean, we'll, we'll no. get to that. We'll get to that. But the Islanders, they make it tough because of the goaltender. I'd always rather face the weaker goalie if I can put – if the teams are about equal, I would look at the goaltenders, and that's where the Islanders get the edge. But, man, you know what? At the end of the day, though, I know you're super biasing for the Hurricanes, but it's been a fun series for someone like me who doesn't it's, give an absolute crap. No, I'm being biased but in a factual way. Like, in my opinion, Carolina Hurricanes are the better team here. 
I told you that the Islanders had the goaltending advantage coming into the series. We both agree on that. But there's no other advantage that the Islanders have. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying your bias is because of anything on like you're not spewing facts. I'm saying you do want them to win, so you've oh, you've had a you've had a bias rooting interest in the series. I have absolutely. Not. Yeah, I don't care who wins. I predicted yeah. the Islanders. I'm gonna be wrong, but I don't care who wins. Like you care who wins. That's what I meant right. by bias. Right. Um. Like I have a bias in the Oilers King series. I don't. I I picked the Oilers, but I also want them to win. Like I would want them to win if we didn't do this show. If we didn't make brackets, I would right. be rooting for the Oilers. Um. But yeah, you know, we'll get to that series in a minute too. But we move on. Frank, you're toast. You see, you're talking before the series is over. After the rain, after the lightning won game one, I said I ain't saying anything till the series is over. But you, you did say stuff after this, after game one. Um, I did too. Sheldon Keefe was a moron in game number one. Um, luckily for the Leafs, it took him one game to make adjustments, unlike Lindy Ruff, who it take two took two games for them to make adjustments. But because the Devils were just they they played the same game in game two that they did in same one, no adjustments whatsoever. But the Leafs, they did. And Tavares and Nylander haven't been getting much ice time. They really only play on the power play and then at even strength about as often as the four, fourth liners. Nylander had 14-20 of ice time in an overtime game. Uh, Tavares was in the 17-minute range. Five of it was power play time. They're, they're lowering the, the ice time for guys who haven't been able to handle what the top guys of Tampa Bay do. Um, but those guys have still been producing offensively. Tavares has a couple goals. Nylander with some big offensive production. Marner and Matthews have finally showed up for the Leafs full-blown in the playoffs. They showed up last year in the playoffs, too, but what? not quite enough. Um, they have a 3-1 series lead. I would love to hear what you have to say about it. Listen, the big guns for the Toronto Maple Leafs stepped up. Morgan Riley, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, they, they played a great game. When it mattered most, when their backs were against the wall down 4-1, they're down uh, 1-0 in the series. They win three straight. You know, props to them, props to them, you know, and they're doing a great job of exploiting Vasilevsky's weakness. And I didn't know this, but uh, one of the former uh, Tampa Bay Lightning assistant coaches did a study when he was with Tampa and Vasilevsky is one of the worst goalies when locating point shots. I didn't know that. I don't know if you knew that, not. but nine of the Maple Leafs goals this postseason in this series have come from the point including four of the five goals in game four. They realize it, they're exploiting it, and they're doing a good job. That too. And I don't know why Vasilevsky is not good at that. It's just one of his weaknesses. So whoever made that known in the locker room, I mean, that's, that's just great coaching right there. However, their, their biggest challenge is closing out a series. You can make fun of me, say, yeah, I'm toast all I want, but they have lost 10 straight consecutive games in the Matthews era when having the chance to close out a series, and they have not been able to do so. So I'm still riding and dying, dying with the Tampa Bay Lightning until they officially win the series. Now, I, in my eyes, I would love for the Lightning to win in seven. If the Lightning win this series, it is going to be even a worse look for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you better hope that the Leafs pull this one out. 
or if you thought my talk about the Leafs was bad now, it is just going to like fluctuate times 10. Let me say this. I'm not acting like they won the series. I'm acting like they have a 3-1 series lead. That's what I meant. Like you, you were upset when they came back from 4-1. Absolutely. Uh, like, and you were, you were wrong. I was wrong. We were all wrong. Typical Leafs, the Toronto Maple Laughs. You know, I've heard it all. Typical. It's going to be typical when they lose in seven. I'll tell you what, pal. If the Maple Leafs don't win this series, I will never pick them anything other than to be swept ever again. See, I don't even believe you. (laughs) I, I... I am dumbfounded by the level of people that think they're still going to lose the series. And it like has me second guessing myself. Like, <laughs> are they Tampa Bay is capable of winning three. If there is a team to do it, it is the lightning. No doubt. And listen, I, I probably sound like a lightning hater. I have rooted for the lightning in all three Stanley cup finals. They played in. I wanted them to beat Dallas in the bubble. I wanted them to beat Montreal in the set in the short season, and I wanted them to beat Colorado last year. I have rooted for the Lightning in every Stanley Cup. Really, the only series that I haven't rooted for them in, they played the Devils in 18. They beat them in five, but I was rooting for the Devils. I rooted for the Bruins the two times they played against them, and I rooted for the Leafs the two times against them. Every, pretty much every other time against everybody else, the Lightning, uh, Montreal, um, whoever else it may be in the playoffs, Washington, I've rooted for the Lightning. Actually, I rooted for Pittsburgh for them when they played them in back-to-back conference finals, too. Um, but, you know, I like the Lightning. It's nothing to do with the Lightning. Chernak's out, again, for Game 5. It's already confirmed. That's one of your top three. D. Uh, Hedman, probably going to play, but he's not 100%. He's just so obviously not. He's he's extremely effective on the power play. He he's very good at even when while hurt. He's quarterbacking it, making the nice tape to tape passes where Kucherov. The, in order for Kucherov, that goal that I can't remember who it was that tipped it in. It might have been Killorn. Um, Kucherov like winded up like he was going to take a shot, and he like passed it to the front of the net hard like it was a slap shot. If Victor Hedman doesn't put, it's all Kucherov. Kucherov gets all the credit for that goal. If Victor Hedman doesn't put it on his tape, he can't make that slap shot pass. He just can't. He would have to catch it, corral it, dust it off, and then pass it. It, it you know, it, it just without Hedman, there are very few in the league that can do what he does. Roman Yossi, Kale McCarr, Dougie Hamilton, um, Duncan Keith back in the day, you know, guys like that, the Norris guys, mm-hmm. um, McAvoy, Lindholm, stuff like that. Um. He's not 100% at 5-on-5, though. The penalty killing hasn't been the same. I read about Derek Lalonde's um, thing with Vasilevsky. If I was the Lightning, I would call him up right now and be like, dude, can you not? (laughs) Like, what are you – like, it seems a little scummy, but the Leafs, they they seem to have figured that out. The thing is, though, what goalie is great at that? What goalie's outstanding at picking up high-quality point shots like that? I feel like a lot of the time, I mean, like I can't just sit here and just name a goalie. No, but like if shots get through all that traffic, what goalie does pick it up last second every single time? I feel like a lot of goals are scored like that. But That's why is why... Vasilevsky that bad at it? Probably, if I had to guess, 
it's probably it seems that he's bad at it because Tampa Bay has been so good at preventing those types of chances. Yeah. Their forwards are hard on the attacking D and they play good D in front of the net and they don't really make things difficult for Vasilevsky to be this all-time great goaltender. Most of his career has been played with Hedman, with McDonough, with, you know, guys like that. McDonough's not there anymore, but he's, you know, he was there for a long time. Chernak is outstanding. We've seen what Sergachev can do. Um, their, their defense has been outstanding for most of his career. And... I don't know. I can't sit there and act like I think any goalie is just outstanding at getting pucks from 100 feet out that go through four different players' legs and tipped in front and stuff like that. Like, Kerfoot's goal in front, who's stopping that? The OT winner. That came from long range, and then Kerfoot tipped it in. Let me tell you something. Igor gives that up. Schmid gives that up. Marty Brodeur in his prime gives that up. I don't know. I just it's, it's I feel like it's it's probably valid. The numbers probably do back up the claim. I just feel like the Leafs are becoming better at trying to exploit what would exploit anyone. And maybe the fact that they're just realizing this now is why they've lost 10 straight um, elimination games for their opponent or eight straight playoff series in the first round. Like, I don't know. I, All the I Leafs- gotta say is if the Leafs don't win game five, they better hope they win game five. Because I find it very hard to believe the Lightning would lose three straight at home. You would think not. You would think not. I just don't think those things matter in the playoffs. I think every game is like every game is like a new story. Because who would have thought they'd lose two in a row at home? Not you. No, right. Which is why three in a row just seems absurd. It does. But then it's like if it happens, it'll be like, did it really matter all that much? Like, I don't know. The Leafs have three chances to close this thing out. And if I'm the Boston Bruins, I'm rooting for this game, this series to go seven. And then I probably root for, ah, I don't know who I root for if I'm the Bruins, because the Leafs are a better team, but the Lightning have Vasilevsky. So it's like, who do you root for if you're the Bruins? Um, But they have a 3-1 series lead over the Florida Panthers. What's your take? I think um, this is another series that's going just by how the book is told. Uh, I predicted Bruins in five. You figured the Panthers would pick up one, which they did. <laughs> now Bruins come home. They won without Bergeron and Krejci. Allmark was a game-time decision last game. He played played well. Um, Bergeron coming back for game five, but Krejci's going to be out. And I know the Panthers are getting Ekblad and uh, Duclair back for game five as well. But at the end of the day, Kachuk can't do it all. Bruins probably going to win this game pretty easily. If not, maybe an overtime winner, but I don't see this series going past five games. I agree. The Bruins will close it out tonight, methinks. Um, what is tonight? Is tonight? It's just two games. Yeah, it's just the two games. I think, well, the second game can't get closed out. I think the Bruins do it. I, I, you know, on home ice, I'd be shocked if it went six, to be honest with you. Yeah. And you know what? Florida's pesky. They've been back and forth with Lyon and Bobrovsky has played now. Um, but Bergeron's back. Taylor Hall looks like devil's Taylor Hall. He's got seven points in four games. I mean, he's been unbelievable. If, if you got a con Smythe trophy after the first round, Taylor Hall would win it. If the Bruins were the, like the team, um, I think, He's going to have another big game today. Um, he doesn't lead the team, in, or I think 
he technically is tied with Dmitry Orlov for points. He's Orlov has seven points. Um, Orlov has six to six. DeBrusque with four goals. I mean, Allmark or Bobrovsky, I'm not too sure who's going to start. They've both been bad. Um, Allmark and Swayman, both good in their appearances in the playoffs. So Swayman didn't get credit for the win that he appeared in, but he does have a thousand save percentage, no goals against. Um, 926 save percentage for Allmark, 3 1 0 record. It's been, you know, that Bruins game that got away too, the loss, they had a chance to win that one. This just seems like the type of series where, like, you have this historically great team and they're up 3 1 in a series. It was a gen- it, it just feels like a gentleman sweep to me. I really don't think there's like all that much else to say about it other than, you know, the, the Bruins, they're going to face one of in the next round. Toronto or Tampa Bay and then if they get through that gauntlet because it'll be hard either way even if you pick them to win I don't think either of us are picking the Leafs or the Lightning in to lose in five you know I probably I would probably go Bruins in seven over either um and then you get through that and you're facing the Metro champions so you either got the Devils the Hurricanes or the Rangers and probably our three uh, our opinions um your opinion is the Hurricanes easy, but like I'm sure you could lump the Devils and Rangers in there for sure. I actually would I would rank the Canes three third out of those three, but I still think the Canes have a chance. Um I just the the Bruins are so good. They're the deepest team I've ever seen. Bertuzzi has come to play in the playoffs. I can't still can't believe they made that trade. We were stunned on this show. Like that was the last minute thing the Bruins did. Uh Bobby Orlov has been amazing. So, you know, the Bruins, they have all this playoff yeah. experience. Bergeron's back. Um, Ekblad's back for Florida. That, that'll make a difference, but I don't know. I don't see this series going too far past today. I'm going to say an overtime victory for the Bruins tonight. I think it's going to be tight. I'm sure it will be tight. I agree with you. An overtime win, that would be a good way to go into the second round for the Bees. It would be an overtime. I'm like a 3-2 victory. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm all in on that. I love that. If they get to overtime, though, it gets fishy. Matthew Kachuk, you know, <laughs> Brandon. In an overtime, right? Brandon Montour. Yeah, weird bounces. Uh, Allmark slips. There's all sorts of things that could happen in overtime. So hopefully the bees pull it out, though. I want to see uh, Mr. Joey Parisi be excited about a, a series win because last year the bees kind of choked in the second round. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, or no, would it's that have been the first round? Was it the first round? At did they play the Hurricanes in the first round? I don't remember. I think it was. I thought it was the second round. Well, the Hurricanes certainly didn't make it to the third round because the Lightning played the Rangers. But the Hurricanes played the Rangers last year. Yeah, in the second round. <laughs> oh, they lost, yeah. Yeah, they lost to the Rangers who lost to the Lightning. It was definitely the Bruins lost in the first round last year. Wow. It's weird to think about, but they did. Uh, the Hurricanes were a tad bit better last year in my – well. I don't know. It's hard to say without Svechnikov and Taravainen. That's where I'm falling off the Hurricanes a little bit. You take two of their top six forwards out, that's tough. But we'll see. They've been able to prevail so far. But the Bruins 3-1 over the Panthers. We'll see if they're able to close it out tonight. And that about does it for the Eastern Conference, what's going on in those four series. So we will send it over to the West in period number two. Before we get to the Western Conference, I want to give a little bit of a shout-out. 
Boom, boom, Dallas. Stars. Dallas. Stars. Dallas. Congrats to G on Blackout Dallas. Let's go. What? How? Frank, how did that happen? You're, you're asking me. I, I don't even know how it happened, to be honest. I think she just she put a proposal in for them, and then I was like, she told me. I'm like, oh, okay. It, like, caught me off guard, too. I was like, wow. I'm telling you, she – I've never seen her, like – she was so pumped. I, I forgot what game it was. What game did they go – not not the – what game did they win in overtime, was it? Was it game four? I don't think no. they won a game in overtime. What game – Let's see. They were home. They got home ice advantage, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. They beat the Wild three to two to tie the series in Game Four. But it wasn't an overtime. It went two one Wild, right? Yeah, it went two one Wild, and then uh, Tyler Sagan scored to make it three one. Relatively late in the third, Freddie Hockey, Freddie Goudreau got the Wild to within one on with a power play goal late, but Tyler Sagan's. Goal stood it as the either, game. Went. It was either game two, three, or four. I thought it was a home game, but I didn't. I didn't think it was that early in the series. She was like erupting when they tied it. I was like, "Damn!" Like I haven't seen her do that, and like since she's watched Hawks games, like she's excited when she watches Hawks game. But like the way she felt about Dallas, you just you clearly know she loves the Stars. Hawks Stars in a playoff series. Who does she root for? She said it would be the Hawks. Okay. Now you know what's something interesting. The Rockford IceHogs are playing the Dallas farm team Texas in the semifinal. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Which I thought was pretty funny. That is funny. Now I asked her. I said, "So what happens if the Hawks play Dallas?" She said, "No, I'd root for the Hawks." Yeah, sure, G. Sure. Can we control? That's what Joey used to say too. He gave a thumbs up. That's what Joey used to say. He gave too. a thumbs up. VP. Back in 2012, and then people will annoy you enough about liking the Stars, and you'll say, "You know what? F you. Go Stars." Um, the stars, they got a three, one, three to two series lead over the Minnesota wild after being down two to one in the series. Nice little, um, comeback. We talked about it. Our guy, Tyler Sagan stepping up. He's got four goals in the postseason, and the stars now have a pretty awesome three, two series lead. What's your takeaway? Um, what's my takeaway is that the Dallas stars are getting better as the series go on. Ottinger stole the show with the shutout. He's looking better as the series went on. Gustafson just looked really bad last game. He looked really off. There was something about him. Didn't look himself letting in some cheeks here and there. I just, I just don't like the way he looked in game four or game five. Uh, the stars limited the wild to only 27 shots on goal. And if you could limit the wild to that little amount of goals with a goalie like Jake Ottinger, there, I mean, there's no reason why he couldn't have got to shut out that game. Like the Wild need to find more opportunities. They also need to stay out of the box, VP, because the Wild PK continues to struggle, and I think that's the biggest story here in this series. They let up two power play goals in Game Five, nine total power play goals in this series. Man, nine total power play goals. They've given up at least two power play goals in four of five of the games this series. Now. To you know, to be, make things fair, the Wild are missing key penalty killers such as Erickson Eck and Mason Shaw, but and they also lost Marcus Felino, who's another penalty killer for the knee to knee game misconduct. Um, but I mean, that's no excuse. They just they can't keep the puck out of the net when they're on the PK, and that's a huge problem in the series. It's like it's just looking really bad. And you know, on the flip side of things, 
Tyler Sagan's finding life in the playoffs. He's got four goals in the playoffs, including the GWG and the shutout. He scored the opening goal in the game. So, you know, everything seems like it's clicking right now for the Dallas Stars. And when you look at the Minnesota Wild, everything's going wrong. It's like they're falling apart. But I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven either. I actually would think the Wild do win game six and then probably lose game seven, which would be my prediction. But, you know, anything could happen in these games. Um, I don't know who I would go to if I were uh, Dean Evison, Marc-Andre Fleury, or Gustafson. I don't really think there's a right or wrong answer there. You just got to kind of feel it out. Um, every time I think about Jake Ottinger, though, I said it last show, I get more and more mad at that bozo Stan Bowman. I know. Uh, they traded back a couple picks, let the Dallas Stars have Ottinger, who was going to go next to whatever team had that pick. I mean, he was just so clearly going to be the next pick. And the Dallas Stars in the 2017 NHL draft added a superstar at every position. They took Miro Heiskin in third overall. Superstar defenseman. One of the most underrated players in the NHL. He's not as good as Kale McCarr, who went a pick later. If that draft were redone, um, McCarr would go first. I think he sure would go second. And I think Heiskanen would go third. Uh, or, yeah, Heiskanen would go third, I would say. Peterson probably goes fourth. But Dallas, they don't care. They got Miro Heiskanen. He's outstanding. And then they got Jay Gottinger, pick 26. Who did they get with pick 39? Jason Robertson. Super star. Actually, Robertson would probably go third or fourth if that draft were redone. Honestly, it dep- you could argue he share Robertson even. You know, do you want the two-way guy who gets 80 points or do you want the offensive guy who gets 100? It, you know, it's like it's close. Mm-hmm. And, ah, Dallas, you have such a great draft like that. You had three superstars in the first two rounds. I'm trying to think of how Dallas would have gotten back into the first round because they had a later pick too. They probably traded it with someone. For some reason, a trade with the Penguins sticks out, but I can't really confirm that off the top of my head. You know, that allowed them to trade up with the Hawks. Mm -hmm. I mean, this Robertson, two goals, four assists, six points. I mean, in the regular season, that unbelievable. Just absolutely unreal. Um, Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn. um, You got Ottinger and Net. Ryan Suter has had a sneaky impactful series pissing off everyone he goes up against um didn't know Suter was gonna turn into what he's turned into when he was with the wild he was like a smooth skating always in the right position type defenseman with dallas he's kind of like becoming a menace and you know it's it's good times in dallas right now and i do think they're gonna make a little run here um i think I'm gonna probably. I'm not trying to spoil anything because I want people to watch our future shows. If right now it were to happen, I would pick the Stars to beat the Kraken or the Avalanche in the second round. I don't remember what I chose. I might have done the same. Yeah, I don't don't remember remember. either. I don't remember either, actually. But you know, what I did for my bracket before the playoffs start is not impacting what my brain thinks right now. Um, Because you know, some of us might have gone back and changed our Devils pick. After two, I mean, I just <laughs> series are long, man. It's not one game. I never would change after one. Me either. You can't. You can't change after two. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, if if someone would have changed after the Devils, I hope somebody in our bracket went back and changed to the Rangers after the first game. 
because then they might get screwed, and I hope they do. Um, but, you know, the Stars, they're very, very good. Shout out Blackout Dallas. I'm very excited to catch the first article. I don't think the first article has come out yet. I don't think so. Um, that'll be cool, though. Blackout Dallas follows me, I believe. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I I like the fan-sided sites. So, And Blackout Dallas is normally one of the more um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Active Twitter accounts of all the fan-sided sites. Yep, Blackout Dallas follows you. There nice. You nice. So, yeah, good stuff. And they will play the winner. If the winner of this series will play the winner of this tied series, the only tied series left in the Western Conference that we will break the tie tonight, the Seattle Kraken and the Colorado Avalanche. Frank, the Seattle Kraken, man, they're tied 2-2 two to two in the series with the Stanley Cup champions. Val- Valeri Nachuskin's out. Gabriel Landeskog is out. Kale McCarr suspended a game. I don't know how you could just say abs and six with such – confidence after hearing those three names missing from the lineup for game five well you forgot that mccann's out for the seattle kraken which is going to hurt the seattle kraken a 40 goal score that's that's a tough one to lose when you're trying to defeat the stanley cup champs from last season uh you mentioned mccarr is out for the interference on mccann um but it just seems like the kraken can't hold us a lead in this series they were up was they up 2-0 again in game four and they lost the game They've scored first in every single game of this series. And they very well could be up 3-1 right now or uh, maybe even sweep the series. It's just like the Colorado Avalanche just come back and find ways when they're down goals. That's what happened last season. It seems like every time Colorado was out of a game in the regular season last year or even the playoffs, they just found a way to get back in it and win the game. Um, However, I don't really like that the way the avalanche has been playing this postseason, that's not a sustainable way to win is go down every game and expect to make a comeback. It's just not, it's just not sustainable. They're not as dominant this year in the playoffs as we saw in last year's playoff series. Jaden Schwartz had one of the best games of his career as a, in a cracking uniform. I mean, he had 11 shots on goal, a hit, a takeaway and assist Jordan Eberle, not the OT winner. He looked great. Um, one of his better games in a cracking uniform, it, it just it looked phenomenal, everything that the Seattle Kraken were doing. And I think the biggest takeaway from this game is that the Seattle Kraken got playoff experience for their franchise. This was their first ever OT playoff uh, experience. They ended up winning. They know what it's all about. Um, they could settle down some of the emotions maybe that some of the guys were having. But, no, I, I do believe that the Avalanche are going to win this game in, or this series in six. I still believe it. Uh, I think the loss of McCann hurts more than the loss of the players you named for the Avalanche just because of how more deep that this Colorado team is. I feel that. At first I was about to clown you, and then you gave a good reason. I was about to be like, you think McCann is more of a loss than McCarr? But then you saved yourself by saying because of the depth on the teams. Yes, I understand, what, and I agree with that. Um, I give – Every time I clown the Kraken, because that, that's what I was going to say. I was, I was thinking something similar when I was writing this sheet up. Because, you know, I think about what I'm going to say as I'm writing it myself. And I'm like, every time I diss the Kraken, they shove it up my hoop every <laughs> single time. I thought they'd get swept. So I'm supposed to sit here right now and say abs and six? 
after everything they've done to me this season, competitively bad. Top three pick again. Bedard to Seattle. You know, all these negative things I've said about them. And here they are with a 2-2 series split with the Colorado Avalanche. I'm going to give them enough respect to not even make a prediction on how the rest of the series is going to go. I picked the Avalanche in five. I still think the Avalanche are going to win the series. But to guess whether it's six or seven, I do not feel qualified to do so. Because I don't know a damn thing about the Seattle Kraken right now. I'm just telling you. I'm just being honest with you. The Kraken, if they if they go on the road and take advantage of the fact that there's no Valeri Nichushkin. He left the team. There's no Kale McCarr. He's suspended. We already know Gabriel Landeskog isn't playing in the postseason. Who is Who am I to say Seattle can't go into Colorado and steal a game there? Do I think if they do that, Kale McCarr can return for game six and seven and make the comeback? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? I'm not counting out the – you know, I've been counting out the Kraken all season long, shoving it up my hoop. I have no reason to do it anymore. I'm done – Roasting the Kraken, they have my respect. Well, I feel qualified to make a prediction. Abs and six. All right. <laughs> Just because that was my pre-bracket prediction. That's what I had in the bracket going into the series. You kind of like were like, abs and six? You think they're going to get two? I was wrong. And I still think it's going to hold out. Abs and six. Very good. Abs I love all my pre playoff series predictions because right now everything just seems like it's going exactly as predicted yeah um if the devils in mean, five rangers in seven abs in six bruins in five everything just seems uh hurricanes in six it's just like everything seems like it's going the way i predicted what about the maple leaves i had lightning in uh... six but that's fine that's fine um... i had the oilers in five so that's but even picking the games, who cares? Getting the series right is what really matters. Um, I have them all. If the Devils win, I have them all except the Islanders. So, you know, and they were. I was looking bad after the first game in every series. I'll tell you that much. Most of the teams that lost game one are on track to win the series. Was yeah. Winni- Winnipeg won game one? The Kraken and Devils and Rangers and Avalanche, they're all tied. So I, nobody's really on track to win Well, that the Bruins team. won game one, right? Yeah, they're one of the uh, ones I had right on day one. And yeah, the Wild won game one. The Jets won game one. The Kings won game one. Um, the Lightning won game one. Yeah, wow. The, and game one losers go on to lose the series like 80% of the time or something like that, they say. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's an oddball year. Hockey's not the same as it was 20 years ago. That's why some of these old school stats really don't jive with me anymore. Um, but with the team on your head, the Vegas Golden Knights, 3-1 series lead over the Ginnipeg Wets. I mean, pretty chalk here. The Jets, the whiteout in Winnipeg was fun. That fan base is rabid. I like when the Jets are good. Um, they came back in that game three. They were down big, and they came all the way back, and then Vegas stole it in overtime. They didn't deserve to win. But Jack Eichel, playoff Jack Eichel is activated. He's looked really, really good. Um, I'm excited about this Golden Knights team, 3-1 series lead. Yeah, you know, Eichel continues to grow and thrive in these playoffs. He had a little shaky game one in the series, but ever since then, you know, he's just excelled. He had three points in game three. 
he didn't have any points in game four, but he was still one of the biggest X factors in that game. He drew two penalties. He was very, you know, physical out there on the ice. So I like the way he played. Very important piece when you don't get on the uh, the scoreboard there. But you know, I think what's killer here in this series, and especially for the Jets, is Jets now Shifley's injured. That's a forty-two goal score. Morrissey's injured. That's that hurts like really bad. He had over he had seventy points this year. It's seventy-six points. That that's tough to lose as well. You can't, in my opinion, you're not going to win a series without those guys, especially when you're already down three to one. So I don't know Shifley's status for game five, if he plans on playing, but you know, it seems like every good team that has a chance to make a run in the postseason has some sort of unlikely hero. I think the unlikely hero we saw in game four was Brett Howden. He had a two goal game, which is the first multi-goal game of his career. And there's just no better time that that could have happened in. Brassois hasn't given up a five-on-five goal in the past five periods of play, so the kind of question marks surrounding Vegas' goaltending going into the playoffs has kind of been shut down a little bit. I love the way that they've been playing. While they got off to a rocky start, they've looked so good since then. Uh, I I would assume that the Knights close this out in five just because of all the stuff that the Jets are going through right now. Everything's just going downhill for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's... I, I was proud of them after game one. It looked like they might win game three, but the Golden Knights have just been too much for them to prevail. So, mm-hmm. you know, with the way that the Golden Knights have played, they score power play goals, they kill penalties. The goaltending's a little shaky. I'm not not going to be all that confident in them in the, in the second round, really, uh, against either team because I think the team that they play in the second round is the one that's going to go to the cup. Um, that's just my odd feeling right now. We'll get to that series in just a second. But, yeah, credit to the Golden Knights. They've been really, really good here in round number one. Yeah, they they really have. It's uh, not a surprise the way the Jets kind of second half of the season went, though. They they kind of fell off a cliff, and they were hot right there at the end. But it's just not the Jets' time. It was good enough that they even got into the playoffs because we, you know, both of us were a bit unsure if they were even going to do that. So, Yeah, 100%. Um then that series I touched on, the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings, three to two series lead for the Oil. Um, a couple overtime winners in there for the Kings, but the Oilers, I think, in their three wins have looked a little more not dominant, but they've looked like the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that sounds dumb. They're the team that won looked better. Not always the case, though. Um, the goaltending has been shaky. Stuart Skinner has looked like a rookie goalie in the playoffs. Um, we've seen rookie goalies look bad in the playoffs. We've got Obviously, seen rookie goalies look good in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but so far they've used they used Campbell in the comeback win. Um, I still I would go back to Stuart Skinner in Game Six personally, which they have to wait all the way till Saturday to play Game Six. I know, just a long layoff there. I don't know who that favors. It probably favors the Kings because McDavid and Drysaddle are really starting to pick it up out there. Look like their regular season selves again yeah. after the first couple games. But um, I don't know. What's your takeaway on this series? You know, the Kings choked. I mean, they were up 3-0 in game four, and you, you blow the game, and you have a chance to be up 3-1, and now you're down 3-2. I mean, that's just deflating uh, for the Los Angeles Kings. And, you know, Skinner gets pulled. Campbell comes in uh, to save the day in that game. Skinner comes back in goal. But I don't like the way Skinner looked in this game either. I mean, yeah, he let up three goals, and I think the reason – 
and I mean, I just, I, I really don't like the way the the Kings goals were being scored on him as well. I think all that talk around it was kind of covered up because the Oilers kind of scored six goals, kind of blew him out six to three. So I, I think a lot of that is being hidden right now, but I, I'm not, I'm not liking the way the Oilers are playing. I think if the Oilers do play the Vegas Golden Knights next round, I think the goaltending may be a little even. I know, you know, Stuart Skinner had a great regular season, but the way he looked in that game and the way he looked in game four, I'm just, I'm not feeling Skinner right now in these playoffs. But, you know, no lead is safe in this series. The Oilers were two for three on the power play. The Kings have done an okay job staying off the PK, at least early on. I mean, they have taken 14 penalties, and the Oilers do have eight goals on the 14 penalty or on the 14 uh, power plays that they've had, which equates to 57.1%, which is just unheard of that every time you take a penalty, you can expect the Oilers to score almost 60% of the time, which is just unbelievable. But the Kings goaltending and the Kings overall, I just don't think are equipped to or built to stop three 100 point scores on this team. And when you have to deal with that on the power play, they're just, they're just not built around that. So, I mean, would I be surprised if the Kings force game seven? No, but I do think that the Edmonton Oilers are a lot better than the Los Angeles Kings. If that makes sense. Yeah, I do as well. Um, one thing that sticks out to me is that in game one, McDavid and Drysaddle had four seconds of ice time together at five on five um, by game three, 17 minutes together. And they kind of repeated that again in game five and um, they're they're playing together a little bit at five on five again, and it's been working. I, I think that's only necessary against the Kings, who have Denault and Kopitar, and I can't think of another team that they'll play in the Western Conference that has two shutdown centermen like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of all the teams that have like a top shutdown guy, the Devils with Heischer, but there's nobody else like Heischer on the team. Bergeron on the Bruins, like few few teams have two of those kinds of guys the kings do if they were to play let's say the golden knights in round two i would separate them again but for game five, uh, six do it again win the series um mcdavid and dry are really looking like they could be on like a special path now that they got their legs under them mm-hmm. they they treaded water in the series early on and now it looks like they're ready to run away with it after two straight victories following that crazy overtime game between the kings and the oilers with the oddball OT winner that was debated for a couple days. I'm kind of glad we don't have to debate about it anymore because it's so subjective. It was so close. And now the Oilers have a 3-2 series lead. Yeah, I just I worry about Stuart Skinner. I really do. The fact that he's just given up some of these goals, like you're just giving up three goals on a regular, sometimes four. Just I just don't like the way that he's looked. I, I kind of worry for this Oilers team. I really do. Yeah, I mean, but again, the Kings present such a challenge for the Oilers for whatever reason. Like, I see Skinner picking it up again in the playoffs if they play somebody else. I don't, uh, the Kings were always a terrible matchup for them. Even if they win it, like, you remember when I, before the playoffs, I was saying, man, I wish the Oilers would win the division mm-hmm. because the Kings just don't match up well for them. I don't think the Kings are like, they're a good team but they're not on the Oilers' level, but they right. match up so well against them, and they have notes from how to play against them last year. So I don't know. It's been interesting, though. It has been. It's been a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Frank, good, good conversation on both the East and the West. 
It was a lot of fun. I, I'm really enjoying the playoffs a lot. So yeah, me too. Um, it's been it's been very interesting. Um, I, I I'm really nervous for tomorrow though. The Devils got to <laughs> pull this off. Devils got to pull this off. Are you nervous if they lose Game Five? Um, they're a very good team, but yeah, because then your back's against the wall. Then it's like you lose again, you're done. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to win Game Five for sure. Um, Frank, half hour on each conference. I think that's just about perfect. Let's have a little bit of fun in period number three. Welcome to period three, where Frank and I are going to talk anything and everything. You put what you want us to talk about in the chat, we'll touch on it. Frank, it is the eve of the 2023 NFL draft. What's on your mind? I don't think Bryce Young's a shoo-in to go number one. Okay, why? Uh, well, first of all, there's been a giant odd shift in Will Levi going number two or going number one just because the head coach and the GM for the Panthers went into his office and they basically said, I don't know who did what, but they offered a proposal on the quarterback they were going to take. And as soon as that conversation was done, the odds kind of skyrocketed towards uh, Levi being chosen. In my opinion, you don't propose to take Bryce Young, right? Because that's like the consensus here. Not only that, but I don't know if it's true or not, but he, Bryce Young said, or not Bryce Young, Will Levi said like he was making comments to his family and it kind of leaked saying, oh yeah, the Panthers are going to take me at number one. So I don't know if he's got some inside information or how uh, true those rumors are, but I'm pretty sure those were his words that came from his mouth to his family that ended up being leaked, so. He's pretty confident he thinks the Panthers may take him at one. I mean, the odds don't go from plus 4,000 to now like plus 700. I wouldn't be shocked is all I'm saying. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked either. The only thing is the Panthers don't have a first-round pick next year now. It belongs to the Bears. And they're probably going to suck again. So the Bears are really staring down two top 10 picks again next year. There's a really good quarterback class next year. But the Panthers aren't going to be able to take one of them. But so like, Levi is a quarterback. No, I know, but would would they do like because I, I think like if you take a risk like that. I would take Bryce Young, me personally. But I think they want a guy who's a little bit bigger. Bryce Young's a little bit on the smaller side. Yes. Yeah. We we both probably agree though that Bryce Young is more of like the shoe in type guy. Like, or at least the less of a pro, the least project type quarterback. Mm-hmm. But like, we saw how big of a fail Zach Wilson was. And Levi reminds me of like that kind of story. And if he fails, you don't have a pick again next year to draft another one in that great class and do what the Cardinals did. Cause the Cardinals, they took a chance on Rosen mm-hmm. and he sucked. And they took Kyler Murray the next year. They took a top 10 quarterback in back to back seasons. Mm hmm. And if you take Levi and he stinks, the Panthers can't do that. I just, I don't know. If they take him, I will be surprised, but it will also remind me why the good teams stay the good teams and why the bad teams stay <laughs> the bad teams. It just really, really will. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Foster says, so Vin, you think the Bears and Panthers are going to suck? Yes, very much so. I think you could put Tom Brady in his prime on this Bears team and they would still be bad for one more year. Their roster is just incomplete. And, you know, they're going to have a much better um, core 
group of linebackers, and they'll probably draft well. I hope they draft well. Um, a bit of breaking news really quick, back to the NHL. Winnipeg Jets head coach Rick Bonus said center Mark Shifley is officially out for oh, yeah. game five. Not yet ruled out for game six, if there is one. Yeah, no, that series is over in five, I think, for sure now. That's tough. In response to that, Nikolai Ehlers will also be a game-time decision. This is the best he's felt and the best he's looked. Dubois, Appleton, Stenland and are all dealing with nagging things, but none of them have been ruled out for game five. There you go. Wow. But, wow. yeah, back back to the draft. Yeah, I think both the Panthers and the uh, – in yeah, they're going to stink. The Bears get two top ten. If one of them isn't a top ten pick, it might be the Bears pick. The Panthers are going to be pretty bad, I think. They'll be trying to develop a quarterback. There will be uh, – there will be, you know, tough games for everyone – but I don't know. I just I don't see either team being all that good next year. I think the Bears will be like eight and nine, maybe. I'll be stunned. I'll be happily stunned though. Foster says seven or eight. So yeah, eight and nine. He's he agrees with me. The only thing, there's no cupcake in the division anymore. They're the cupcake. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The Lions aren't a cupcake. The Vikings aren't a cupcake. I think the Vikings take a big step back. I don't even think they make the playoffs, probably. But they're not a cupcake. Um, now that Rodgers is gone, Kirk Cousins is probably the best quarterback in the division. Which, oh, yeah. which sucks to say. Fields might be. Uh, Goff might be. But mm -hmm. I'm a little surprised the Lions aren't a little more in quarterback chatter. You're surprised? Yeah, because they're not going to. But, like, how long is Jared Goff going to be their guy? He's not that good. I agree. Um, I'm surprised. Yeah, 100%. You got anything else on the draft? Um, I just know that the Bears need some O-line guys, D-line guys, cornerbacks. I mean, if they don't, do you think they're going to trade down from nine? No. If they don't and they still hold on to that pick – I'm thinking that they maybe target Broderick Jones out of Georgia, who's an offensive tackle. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Just what I've looked at it. If, as long as they don't take the running back, I think it's a win for the draft because you can't draft a running back in the top 10. That's just not how the NFL works anymore. Um, I just, you know, there's the kid from Northwestern. There's Jackson Smith and Jigba. I wouldn't take a wide receiver because you have DJ Moore, you have Claypool, you have Mooney. Um, I, I don't think that's necessarily the most important thing right now. I would go offensive line or defensive line, edge rusher, something along those lines personally. I also – I probably wouldn't go defensive back. You used a lot of draft capital on that last year. True. So – that's where I stand on the Bears. For the Jaguars at 24, which I've been studying, I really like Miles Murphy out of Clemson. I just don't know if he is going to be there at 24 when the Jaguars pick. He could go anywhere from 10 to 20, 10 to 28, you know, something in that range. So, yeah, the NFL draft, though, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of 
later round picks. I remember you being surprised when we talked about Stetson Bennett during the national championship. Yeah. Projected to go in the seventh round in every mock draft I've seen. I didn't I see I didn't know how that worked. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like it's hard to describe why guys like him don't get any respect when it comes to turning pro. It's more about like physical tools. But he is projected to be drafted. Yes. In the late sixth, mid seventh, maybe even late seventh. I don't think he makes it to like Mr. Irrelevant status. But the Bears are one pick off from picking Mr. Irrelevant. They have the second to last pick in the draft. <laughs> so the Houston Texans have the very last pick. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm very excited for it, though. Are you? Oh, yeah. I'll probably tune in, at least keep up with it. Yeah, I'll be keeping up with that. Um, it'll be going on during the Devils game. The nice thing is the Bears pick at nine and the Jaguars are at 24. So I'll be doing those. And then Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. the tight end, he'll probably go in the first round. So I'll be doing something on that from a Notre Dame point of view as well for Windy City. I think that'll be interesting to see what team takes him. You know what team I hope lands Bennett? Hope he goes to the Falcons. <laughs> Why? So he can play in Georgia. I think that would be so cool. Same colors. A lot of the times the same building, not really the same, but like for the big games, they play at Mercedes-Benz. Um, yeah. The NFL draft, though, there's a lot of great content revolving around it when it comes to the Barroom Network. You know, these guys draft on tap, uh, anything Dan and Aldo bear their souls, these guys are all over it. And we'll have some talk about it tomorrow on Crosstown Crosstalk as well, which is mostly a baseball show. What's going on in your world of baseball? Well, in baseball right now, the Houston Astros stopped the Tampa Bay Rays 14-game home winning streak. I mean, you got to assume it was going to happen eventually, right? Like, yeah, you just can't win forever. It's a 162-game season. Um, Not only that, but some other news in the MLB world that I thought was pretty cool is Spencer Strider has had nine consecutive games with at least nine or more strikeouts, which is just unbelievable, VP. Dating back to last September 1st, it's the longest in Braves history. He surpassed John Smoltz. Smoltz did it eight times. Now Strider's done it nine times. He's going for the record held by Nolan Ryan for 11 straight games with at least nine or more consecutive strikeouts. I mean, he is just an absolute specimen of a human being. Um, I, I just, I love the way, I love the way he pitches. I mean, it's, it's masterful to watch. That other night when he had 13 Ks, it was unbelievable. Foster said Cubs need to pick it up. I mean, Cubs have done pretty well. I mean, I'm not – I wouldn't say they need to pick it up. I mean, they shut out the Padres yesterday. They took a series against the Dodgers. I mean, they've looked okay. I, I like what I'm seeing for them. He said, Sox, fuck Vinny. What happened? The Cubs lost the series to the Dodgers too, though. Yeah. Did they lose it or split? They lost it, right? They might. I think they lost it. Wasn't it – was it a four-game series? If it was a four game, then they probably split it. Actually, I think they split it, and then they split it with the Dodgers, and then they, they, uh, they won the series with the Dodgers before that. So they've they've looked good. Um, they've looked good. The Mariners have been playing better lately. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Cubs are a good team. I don't think they're a great team. They're not a playoff team. There's a reason they're still third in their. Team. I don't know if it's me, but you're hard to hear. Is it hard to hear now? 
It's a little better, but I don't know if it's me or. I don't know why that's happening. It hasn't happened for a while. Is it good now? No. Before the show, you had some issues, but I mean, maybe it's me. I mean, do you want me to log out? Like nobody else is saying anything in the chat, so. Foster, let me know how my audio sounds to you. Um, for the Cubs, I, I think they're a good team. I'm not sure they're a great team, just because the National League is loaded with great teams. Um, the Braves are really good. The Mets, the Padres, somehow the Pirates are on top of the division and haven't, you know, lost a step at any point. Um, I think, I think the uh, when you go to the West, you look at the Diamondbacks, who are off to a really good start. The Padres, they are. The Dodgers are kind of. They're kind of like not as good as, you know, the teams before, but, you know, teams of previous years for the Dodgers. But I don't know. The, the National League is so, like, top-heavy, and I'm not sure where the Cubs fit into it. I need to see a little bit more. Like, you know, they're pitching solid. They, they've had some big wins. The, the win over the Padres yesterday was outstanding. So we'll see what they're able to keep up throughout the summer as it goes along for the White Sox. Um. Yeah, I can't hear you right now. You kind of lost it. And he says, little light, lower than Frank. All right, and we're just me now, so how's everybody doing? Um, yeah, I mean, the MLB, it's been fun to watch so far. Frank's clear and louder. Vinny, you're fading. Yeah, so right now, I don't know, Foster, do you watch the MLB at all? You, I assume you're a White Sox fan maybe, or you're just a Chicago fan in general, or? Um, but anyway, there's been some good stuff in the MLB right now. Um, now I can't hear you at all. No, I can't hear what you're saying. Did you unplug your mic? Unplug it back in maybe? I mean, you were you had some issues before the. Oh, thank you, Fosters. Like the hat. I figured I wore my Kraken one last week. I'll wear the Knights one this week. But um, okay. yeah. Huh. Testing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, I think that it's okay. It's better. I can hear you. Yeah, I mean, if if you can hear me, that's good. I don't know what is the issue today. You had issues all day. You've been nope. good the past few shows. Yeah, I know, but it, it's fine now. I unplugged it and plugged it back in. Yeah, you're fine. Is it, like, fine or is it, like, good? No, it's, like, back to the way it was the whole show. Okay, good. Um, but, yeah, I, I was just saying the White Sox, they suck. They're so bad. I I, I don't even know. I, I have no explanation. The pitching's terrible. All the guys are underperforming except for Dylan Cease. He's been outstanding. You know, he's a guy you want on your fantasy team, stuff like that. Um, they're so bad without Tim Anderson. Their record without him in the last three years is putrid. I can't believe that one guy sets the tone that much where their record is that reflected on a guy. You can only hit when the balls – or you can only catch the balls that are hit to you. You can only bat once every nine times in the lineup. You know, Tony LaRusso was an issue, but he wasn't the only issue. It's time to fire Rick Hahn. It's time to let go of everyone. You trade Dylan Seeds. You trade Luis Robert Jr., who stinks. You figure out a way to unload Yoan Moncada, and you rebuild again. But you don't let Rick Hahn be the one rebuilding. Um, 
it's just it's not good times on the south side right now. I mean, they don't play good baseball. You signed Andrew Benintendi to the richest contract in MLB history or in Chicago White Sox history, MLB history. Yeah, right, as if the Sox would ever do something like that. Um, it's just it's not it's not what you would want to see from a team that's six years into a rebuild and supposed to be in their quote unquote contention window. Mm-hmm. It's just as it's just as bad as you could possibly imagine. I can't think of a Chicago team that failed more in ever. Wow, it's tough to hear, VP. Is it though? I'm not, I mean, yeah. it was it was it was fun when the White Sox were good. It was fun, but they're not. They they're they're not good, and nobody like argues it. It's like one of the most like down I've ever seen the fan base. Everyone's just like, yeah, we're terrible. There's, you know, <laughs> there's nobody, there's nobody defending it. There's nobody optimistic that it's going to get better because it's not. And yeah, they're yeah. going to come, they're probably going to come in last place in the American league central. They'll have a top pick. Um, are they A's bad? I don't know. I don't think so, but like, who knows? Who knows? And guess what? I am going to be one of the ringleaders in creating change because I'm not going to sit here and deal with this for all these years. Um, you let Tony LaRusso go. You hire Pedro Grafal. He stinks. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, you could have had Ozzie Guillen back. That would at least change the tone. They interviewed him. I don't know what happened. It's just, it's bad. It's really, really bad. <laughs> This was your time. I'm letting you have your time. Tell me about the Mariners. They're playing a lot better lately. Way They're not better 500, lately. but they've been they've looked like a completely different team in the past, say five games. Um, I think they've won three of their last five. They look great. Gilbert's on the mound tonight. I'm excited to see that. Hopefully, they can take this game against the Phillies and uh, they'll be 500 then. But I like the way that I, I've seen them be playing lately, and you know, I, I hope they really can get back to the postseason because last year was just not enough. They got swept, and I just didn't have that feeling last year. It was just a heartbreak. So, you know, uh, I, I got I, high hopes for this team. Kalanick's been great. I've loved Kalanick ever since he was a rookie. Um, was that two seasons? I think it was two seasons ago. He two seasons ago. I loved the way he was playing as a rookie, and then he didn't – I believe he was in AAA last year for a little bit. But um, God, he's really molded into a great young player. So I like what I see from him. I like what I see from this team, and – it's going to be an uphill climb. I didn't think the Mariners would jump out and have be 10 games over 500 right now. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's a long season, but good things have been coming as of late. So hopefully it continues. The Mariners are one of those teams that I do think they like they you hit a wall to start a season. It's, you know, it's April, whatever. By the midsummer, I don't see them not being like well into a playoff spot. Think people thinking World Series contender. They had the hotness of Julio Jones. Oh, not Julio Jones, Julio Rodriguez last year. Um, you know, stuff like that makes teams, you know, a little more fired up, a little more hype around them. There was no hype around the Mariners this year. There was more expectations. Mm-hmm. And when expectations don't always go according to plan to start off, but I do think the roster is extremely talented and they'll be fighting all season long. And once the playoffs begin, they'll have as good of a chance as anybody. I'm not sure the Astros are as good as they are perceived to be. We'll see. Because they're still not getting typical Jose Abreu zero home runs. Jose Altuve hasn't played yet this season, but 
you know, we'll see how they go over time. But, you know, I highly recommend that everybody tunes into Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow where we're going to go over all of that in addition to getting you ready for the 2023 NFL draft. I'm very excited for that show. It's going to be super duper fun. Um, Frank, update me and me, all the listeners on the team that I'm a diehard fan of, been a diehard fan my whole life, the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings better win the night or they're cooked. Let me tell you, he had a two zero series lead, but hey, they come back home. We know how those Warriors are on the road, right? They could get a win done at home. Uh, I, I believe they could do it. Uh, things are looking sketch though. Darren Fox, perhaps the Kings' best player, has a finger fracture, so I don't know what his status is going to be for tonight's game. I assume he's playing, but maybe not. I don't know. I haven't checked that in at it yet. Um, interestingly enough. Yesterday, the Hawks beat Boston with their backs against the wall, down 3-1 in the series. Game 5 in Boston, the Hawks win as 13-point underdogs. They force Game 6 coming home in Atlanta. Not only that, talk about another major upset, but the Heat have a 3-1 lead on the Bucks. Unbelievable. I just have a feeling the Bucks are going to win this series, though. Um I think they're going to come out smoking tonight, but um, yeah, Bucks on the brink. The Suns ended the series against the Clippers four to one. The Nuggets ended their series against the Timberwolves four to one. The Knicks are up three to one over the Cavs, which the Cavs were a favorite going into the series as well. The Lakers are up three to one over the Grizzlies, and the Lakers were another playing team. And the Grizzlies were the two seed, and now the Grizzlies backs are against the wall. It's a really weird year in the NBA right now, but I have a feeling a lot of these series may feature some sort of comeback. I don't think all these underdogs are going to win these series, um, just how the NBA is designed. But um, it's been it's been a very fun playoffs for the NBA for the NHL. I mean, it's it's very interesting, and you know you know I like a good underdog winning here and there. So there's there's a lot going on right now. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um... Do you what do you think of what's going on with the Lakers? I don't I don't understand what's going on. They're not that good of a team. It's like, is this just gonna be one of those things where like LeBron carries them to another championship? I wouldn't think so. Austin Reeves is great. He was their leading uh point or point score the other night. I mean, he's he's playing great. Uh D'Angelo Russell. I mean, this whole team is just like it's like they're coming together in the playoffs. I just it's hard to believe that they're going to even win a series here though. Is that what like you want you're getting at? Like, I yeah, just don't yeah. Know. Like, you win this series. I don't know who they would play next series, but it just doesn't seem logical that like LeBron at this age and Anthony Davis could just like take this team to win a championship. It just, they're, it, I, I mean, I watched a lot of Lakers game this year and it's just to win a seven game series. It's kind of stunning that they're up three to one, honestly, right now. But, you know, it's LeBron in the playoffs. We don't, I mean, anything can happen. Yeah, we've seen it in the past. Um, going back to the Heat being up 3-1 to one on the Bucks. the Bulls had the Heat on the ropes in that second play-in game. Would they be up 3-1 on the Bucks? No. <laughs> the, the Heat were significantly better than the, the Bulls this year. I really didn't give the Bulls a chance going into the, the Heat game. Um, let you didn't give them a chance play. going into the Ra- uh, Raptors game. I know, I know, because the Bulls just—they've been—they've been stinky this year. So, 
I just weren't high. The beating the Raptors, that was like a big wow. Good for you guys. That's great for the future. That's something you could, you know, put in your back pocket and use as experience maybe down the line. I mean, I think the Bulls should have been a little bit better this year. But, you know, Giannis has been injured a lot in this series with the Heat. I do think the Heat, the, the Bucks are going to win this series in seven games. Um, it's just – it's the writings on the wall. It's just got that feel to it. I don't yeah. think the Heat are that much better than the Bucks, And it's a lot different than other series in sports in the MLB or the NHL. Like, I, NBA teams could easily win three games in a row. Yeah, if this were hockey, you would think the uh, you would think the Bucks are cooked. Yeah, I mean, you just you don't in in sports like, and especially in hockey and baseball, you don't have teams that are like minus six hundred on the money line. They're not thirteen point fair. You know what I mean? Like it's different in basketball because like teams are just built differently. When you have significantly better players on your team, it works to your advantage a lot more than it does in other sports, like. The Jets could win a game without Morrissey or Shifley, but can the Heat win a game without Tyler Hero or Jimmy Butler? Probably not as easily as like the Jets would be able to. So it's like it works differently in basketball, and that's when I think now that Giannis has been back and a little bit and is starting to get more healthy in this series. I think they are going to pull this series out, and we'll, we'll see though. But yeah, it's, it's been crazy. I know there are probably a bunch of people in Boston rooting for the Heat to pull this off. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think would, Boston will win the NBA championship if the Bucks don't make it to the next round. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Um, Frank, what are you watching this weekend? Well, I finished The Last of Us. Finally watched the season finale. Stunning, VP. Absolutely stunning finale. I cannot wait for season two. This universe, this future of this series is just very bright. When you're watching it, it's just hard to believe that this all stemmed from a video game and how beautiful a video game can truly be. I mean, you got the older generation still thinking like video games like Pong and, you know, Space Invaders. and But no, people don't understand how like beautiful video game stories could actually be. And you watch The Last of Us, I think your whole perspective changes on video games just from a TV show. So we finished up that. I'm glad to have that in the back rearview mirror. Uh, we finished season four of Clone Wars. That arc was sensational. Um I really am looking forward to season five, the start of season five. It seems like more stories are becoming more full now as the series go on, which is what I was hoping for. So I'm excited about that. And then I probably, if not today, maybe tomorrow, but I, I'd like to start it tonight. I'm going to start House of Dragons. So oh, yeah. I really like I see. And then, you know, the chalk stuff, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, survivors, you know, the typical stuff. But I want to get House of Dragons started here. Yeah, I'm very excited for Survivor. That's getting really interesting at this point. Um, I'll be watching that over the next couple of days. We're really into the dozen. It's one of my favorite shows. It's on YouTube. Uh, trivia oh, competition. We really, yeah, really, really getting interesting now. The playoffs are right around the corners. So uh, that'll be really, really cool. Um, of course, the NHL, the Devils tomorrow against the New York Rangers in game number five. We'll be chilling, watching that. Um, hopefully the Bruins can close it out tonight. I've been watching Clone Wars too. It's been going on the computer lately, and I've just been running it in situations where, you know, I have time. I'm, I like started. I'm watching from the beginning. I'm like halfway through season one. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the episodes. There will be some. There will probably be like twenty. There will probably be like twenty, twenty-five episodes that I'll be watching a second time. But um, 
I will certainly, you know, be okay with that because I want to run the entire series. Foster says old offends Aldo. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That is funny. Um, But yeah, that um, obviously the NFL draft is going to take up a lot of my time as well with work and all that between the Jaguars and the Bears. We're looking forward to it. But I hope uh, I hope everybody enjoys what they're watching this weekend. There's a lot of good stuff out there. So, Frank, I think it's time. You know, it's so weird going through the playoff motions takes less time than like the regular season stories and whatnot. But it's less about like talk is more full. That's more important talk. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. I completely agree. It's a lot less about individual people. Yeah. When it comes to the playoffs, we're not talking about McDavid's point totals or Connor Bedard's, you know, crazy stuff. We're talking about the playoffs. It's all about a team. Nobody cares how many points Jack Hughes has. Nobody cares about how many points Connor McDavid has. We care about wins and it's easier and it takes less time to discuss wins than it does like overall stories. So that's the difference between the regular season shows and the playoff shows. But I agree. The playoff shows are more fun for me, but Frankie's going to try and win everybody a lot of money. Here comes the money. Foster says, go devils in America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. Speak. Breaking bets, Frankie. <laughs> so, Foster says in the chat, um, where is it? I know you said it, Foster. He says, I didn't bet your takes, Frank, so I don't know how that went. Bought my daughter a laptop instead. More important, well, if you're following last week's pick, we went three for four, which is great. <laughs> We've you would have been boosted. able to pay for that laptop using Frankie's bets, Foster. We went from 52% to 54%. Big boost right there. Three out of four, not too shabby. All right. I got four picks this week. I'm slightly, I think I might give a fifth. We're going balls to the wall. We want variety. We want people. If you don't like this pick, well, maybe you like this pick, right? We're going to start off hot here since we got a lot of picks. I'm just going to start spewing. Heat at Bucks tonight. I think the Bucks come home on the brink of el- elimination. I expect a demanding, dominating, not demanding, dominating performance by the Milwaukee Bucks. They're 12 the last time I saw them. I would take a point and a half down and take a minus 10 and a half at minus 132. I think this is going to be a big statement game for the Bucks. A blowout win here would really deflate the sales of the Miami Heat. Bucks minus 10 and a half at minus 132. On top of that, I also would highly suggest, because I think there's tremendous value here, to bet the Bucks to win the series. You could do that. You could take the Bucks to win the series at only plus 115, which just shows you how much of a chance they're giving the Bucks to come back and win this series down 3-1 of the Heat. Take the Bucks to win the series plus 115, if you're hoping it's going to be a little bit more, it's not because the Bucks are just that good. I think they win three in a row here. Bucks to win the series at plus 115. We will know the outcome of that bet by breaking bets next Wednesday. So get it in now because if you wait till the end of the game tonight, 
it's going to go down. It'll be a minus then probably. Um, so get that in as soon as possible. Get that in before game five starts. Next, VP, are the Sacramento Kings going to light the lamp or light the beam? Yes. I agree. We should take the Sacramento Kings money line plus 110 or whatever you have it at. It's plus right now. Take them to win the night. Um, they come home. Warriors are struggling on the road. I mean, that's all I got to say, really. You just don't lose three in a row. It's different, though. I could see them losing three in a row. But coming home as the plus favorite, take the Sacramento Kings. Why not? Get a little bit of juice there. On to the next one. We got a lot of picks here, so going through them quick. Mariners at Phillies. Logan Gilbert versus Walker. Gilbert has been playing great. Mariners have been playing great. Walker struggles with walking too many guys, no pun intended. Um, I just think this is tremendous value for the Mariners and Gilbert. You can get the Mariners money line at minus 115. I love that, the way they've been playing. That's very good value, especially on the road. You're not going to get better than that with Gilbert on the mound. I, take the Mariners, minus 115 on the money line. I, I like the spot for them. Um, I don't like the way the, the Phillies have been playing this year so far. So going to go with the pitcher and the, the hotter team at the moment. Mariners money line, minus 115. And then my final pick is a parlay for you guys. I think the Bruins close it out tonight. Can't take the Bruins just straight up, though. Not enough juice right there. But there is something you could add to it for a little more juice, and that involves the Colorado game. Not Colorado, but I think Maddie Beniers is going to get at least a point tonight. So parlay the Bruins money line with Beniers getting a point. Without McCann in the lineup, I believe Beniers will step up in his absence. Beniers has been a bright side for this team all year. I think he's very capable of getting an assist. And with McCann out, I think it'll just be easier to do so. So all he's got to do is get in a point, whether it's a goal, assist, whatnot. As long as he gets a point, you win. I like the value there. You parlay the Bruins money line and Beniers to get a point. And it pays out plus 163. So I really like that. And those are my five picks for you. It's the most picks I've ever done on a show, but felt like there's a lot of good value this week. So we'll see. Absolutely. What a time. Also, time. I'm not adding this to breaking bets because this is just one of the reasons why this system's flawed. Just keeping track of record and not keeping track of, you know, your units or your profit you've made. Um, I think there's value in taking Will Levi to go number one as the first overall pick, plus seven hundred. So, wow. I, I I would if it was me, but see if it's wrong, then I get a loss for the NFL. But it's like it's plus seven hundred. But if it wins, the, you know it's it's flawed. We got a flawed system here. But I'm not adding that into breaking bets. Yeah, so. but then you'd be one in four in the NFL instead of one in three. Yeah, but it's like that one and four is plus 700. And if it wins, then I'll be two and three. But that plus 700 is like outweighs probably all the losses of the NFL. So it's just we got a flawed system right now. But we live in our Are you going to bet it as non-part of uh, this? Correct. You are? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, now I'm rooting for it. Now I'm rooting for it. I'm especially rooting for it because I don't think it's a good idea. And I want the Panthers to be terrible so that the Bears can have another number one pick. Because if they have another number one pick and we think Justin Fields isn't the guy, we could take what's his name uh, next year. And, you know, it's a great quarterback class next year in general, regardless. So 
we will see what happens. But I always I look mean, forward you can't to take yeah. Bryce Young. He's minus twelve fifty. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, not at all. So I mean you'd have to bet one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars to win a hundred bucks. And yeah. you can't take Bryce Young. I think it's gonna be Bryce Young. So do I, I, do. I probably, but will Levi there's there's talks here. The, the, the whispers, there's whispers, VP. Yeah, Frankie likes a good whisper. There's no doubt he likes a good whisper. Well, Frank, that was an outstanding show going over the Eastern Conference postseason, the Western Conference postseason of the NHL. Get a little bit into baseball, a little bit into basketball, a little bit into the NFL draft. Frankie made some bets for you. Hopefully everybody listens to him and makes lots of money. Or if you fade him, you know, make lots of money, and Frankie loses lots of money. Uh, all my stuff, Black and Teal, the Windy City, Puck Pros, Pucks and Pitchforks, Southside Showdown. Some of it's for good teams. Some of it's for bad teams. Um, very excited to get down and diggity with all the sports this weekend though. It's going to be super fun. Um, Foster, thank you very much for joining. You're awesome as well. Um, and then you can of course read Frankie's stuff at apptrigger.com, all things video games. Um, it's going to be a summer of gaming, so it should be really, really cool. Um, Frank, do you have anything left to say before we say goodbye to the people? This time next week, we will know a lot about different series. We will know what happened in the Devil series. We will know what happened in the Lightning series. We will know what happened in the Buck series. So there's going to be plenty to talk about next week. So stay tuned for that. Will there be at least one Game 7? Yes. I agree. I agree. There will. It's not a guarantee every year. The, what are you saying? For hockey or basketball? For hockey. For hockey. Oh. Yes. I think so. It's not a guarantee every year. There's always only like one or two. But I'm with you. Yes. The answer is yes. And game sevens become must watch. They're like, oh my God. And then if they are lucky enough to go to overtime, the Stanley Cup final has never gone to game seven overtime. 103 years or whatever this league is. Never has the Stanley Cup award been awarded to a team that won game seven in overtime next goal wins the cup that has never happened is this the year i don't know i always convince i always convince myself that it's the year because <laughs> it will happen it will happen i always convince myself i thought for sure it was the year when the bruins played the blues that's the last stanley cup final game seven we had mm-hmm. and oh man oh man that would be awesome but I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. Thank you for listening. As always, make sure you're listening to all of the draft coverage here on the Barroom Network. And I'll be back with you at 2 p.m. tomorrow to discuss baseball and the NFL draft on Crosstown Crosstalk. Make sure you go back and listen to South Burbs Hitman from Monday where we absolutely destroy the Chicago White Sox and talk about pizza. I hope everybody enjoyed. As always, thank you for listening.